Hello, this is Mike Harbath with this week's uh, Shoot the Moon podcast, broadcasting live and direct from uh, my home office in Prior Lake, Minnesota. I'm here with uh, my partner, Ryan Barnett at Revenue Rocket, uh, and today we're going to talk about fair value. Uh, we give a lot of clients that ask us about the timing of a transaction in their business and particularly if they're growing a business or they're still have tune up to do to optimize the business for growth and profit, or maybe they've already done that. And then they're thinking about doing a deal and they see an ever increasing top line and bottom line occurring in the business, how they can evaluate, you know, what a fair offer should be. I think for the buyers in the audience, certainly we'll provide a few uh, thoughts on that as well. And hopefully you guys find this valuable over the next little bit, right? I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, sure. And uh, there's a lot of questions that come with that. We have, uh, we've got a number of clients that are growing. I mean, we typically, when working on the sell side of a business and buyers are evaluating the companies we work with, uh, almost every single one is in a growth spot and they're looking for a one plus one equals three type of merger. Uh, they're not, uh, we typically don't work with companies that have to sell. And frankly, a lot of buyers typically don't want to buy companies that need to be sold. So uh, we, uh, but that raises the big question, when is the right time to buy? Uh, if things are going extremely well and profits extremely high, uh, is that the ideal time to, to exit? So uh, kind of that's where I want to get your, uh, your pick your brain here, Mike, and understand you know, when is the time, what are the factors to look at, and how, what's the best way for buyers and sellers to work together? Yeah. Uh, so let's take, a, let's take a little bit of a, a uh, a look at that and maybe let's start on uh, let's just set up the scenario we've got a company that perhaps is looking at greatly increasing revenue and profit almost to the tune of uh, you know doubling profit year over year I mean we don't see that often but we do see it uh, what advice can you give to that seller to to evaluate should they go to market yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it depends on how a particular buyer evaluates a transaction. Um, you know, a lot of buyers take the easy route, which is, hey, let's just apply some sort of industry standard multiple and then let's make that offer. We think that's misguided and we frankly, you know, guide our buy side clients or the people that we're representing on the buy side to look at it a little differently. And I think what you have to look at is internal rate of return, which is really how quickly can we uh, get the money back that we've invested in the acquisition of that business. And if that is a reasonable timeline, and we generally recommend that that timeline be less than five years or have an IRR north of 20 percent, that, you know, that is a that is a reasonable timeline to uh, invest. And it's not atypical for us to have um, IRRs, you know, at 33% or between 25 and 33%, which generally would be a uh, four-year and th um, sort of three-year return uh, on investment uh, type timeline. Uh, the challenge with using a multiple if you're a buyer and let's say you're evaluating a seller who's doubled profits and you're using a multiple approach is that you can't get to a deal. Because that seller is saying, hey, uh, you know, I, I'll just wait a year if you're going to do a multiple of EBITDA and, you know, I've got a lot more EBITDA coming, so I'll be worth a lot more. I think what that represents, though, is a lost opportunity. I think a smart buyer would look at it to say, um, well, if you're really doing that and you really have, you know, long-term contracts, 
we should give you credit for that. Now, maybe you don't give them the full credit because you still have the uncertainty and risk of actually uh, achieving the, the, the EBITDA, uh, but you've got to give them a significant amount of credit for that business and sort of evaluate it on a forward-facing um, you know, internal rate of return, look at a discounted cash flow and, and apply an appropriate risk premium to that uh, so that you can you know, get your head around it. I think if you're a seller, you know, some of the challenges that come into play are, you know, you start to, you know, talk to yourself about, hey, well, we'll be worth a lot more if we just wait a year or two. And as much as that is factual, um, uh, a growing business with accelerating profits will always be worth more later than it is today. That's just a fact. And I think when that comes to bear, you have to look at the trade-offs for that decision. Now, maybe based on where you are in your life and your career, and your risk tolerance, that's a fine option, right? If you're in a period of rising tide and you know the rising tide rises all boats, then and you happen to be there, or if you're you know overperforming in your own business and doing a great job and and uh, you know have achieved sort of the finally achieved some of the goals that you've put forth in your strategy plan, uh, it may well be better to wait, um, wait until you've executed on those plans. But the trade-off has to do with the risk associated from getting from here to there. Uh, and what I mean by that is that certainly there's a lot of unforeseen things that can occur. Uh, we've seen that this year with the global pandemic and the impact on some sectors of the business. Certainly, you know, we're not all going to live forever. So, you know, all of us have a, a finite uh, time on this planet. And um, not to be a fatalist, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, heaven forbid, you know, you could get a your kid get a bad diagnosis, you know, you could have some other uh, family event that creates uh, distraction or time or pressure or other problems that won't allow you to achieve the goals that you've set forth in your plan. You certainly could have a client that cancels a contract or cancels a number of contracts. And that's, you know, also may interfere with your ability to achieve the goals uh, associated with your growth plan. So as you're accelerating the business quickly, you have to really weigh all of these opportunities, right? And you have to say, and, you know, I guess it would determine whether it's better to wait. I would say a lot of it has to do with your own personal situation. If you're a seller, you really have to say to yourself, you know, am I wanting to take this ride for another number of years or not? And that should be a big consideration vis-a-vis -vis whether you sell now or not, regardless of your growth trajectory. I think it gets a little bit complicated as you begin to have, let's say, double your profit in any given year. Um, you start to believe that, well, maybe if I can double it this year, I can double it again next year. You know, maybe not. I mean, in every situation is different, but I think you need to be somewhat pragmatic and take the long view and say, what is our trend, our growth trend been and growth trajectory over a period of years, maybe the last five years? And then look at what's the growth trajectory over the next five year, uh, uh, coming five years uh, for a realistic view or a 10-year snapshot. So, uh, Ryan, I'll turn it back over to you and unpack some of that. Yeah, well, well sure. I think, I think part of this is what we need to look at in the business. So when we work with a client on the sell side, uh, the steps that we take are we actually hit the pause button before we start the project. And we do a, a readiness assessment. And I think that's the readiness assessment is critical as it helps get the company in uh, in line. It also helps them understand uh, are they going to get are they going to be happy with the number that they're looking at. 
So Mike, I mean, tell, what are the valuation models that you that we bring into that? Um, we use a, essentially two, uh, we use a balanced scorecard, but uh, unpack for the audience that, what does that, what does that scorecard look like? And how, how does that help look at readiness and, and kind of the go or no go decision? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, when you look at the, I mean, the valuation is the valuation, right? So I, I think that we've said this before that, you know, multiples of EBITDA are not a valuation, right? They're, they're just not. They're just a simple way that people look at it. Now, what's surprising to me is there's many, many buyers that have been so conditioned to look at deals and fair value based on a multiple of EBITDA. And there's so much more that goes into valuing a business than simply looking at a multiple. And so we do a valuation on the business early on, and we begin to unpack in our readiness review not only if that number makes sense for you, but also um, are you are you mentally ready, right? Because selling a business is a big decision. You you have to think through kind of you know what what does that mean for sort of our customer care and employee care post-transaction and what does it mean for you know you personally as an owner and do you know what's next i i the biggest thing that i think business owners when they're contemplating a sale they haven't really thoroughly thought through or been honest with themselves about what happens after i sell my business there's certainly folks that would consider a sale but they have very little clarity about that sort of what's next I think you need to spend the time to really understand what's next. And so we spent some time in our projects unpacking that um, to make sure it is the right time to sell and make sure it is you, you've understood the trade-offs and the and and you know valued some of the risk um, of just running the business from day to day um, into the model. And certainly there's ways to participate in that gain. If, let's say you're you know growing the business quickly and you know, you're doubling down on profit and you've done that for a year or two. There's ways to participate in that future profit contribution based on deal structure. So it's not like you're walking away from that. I think a lot of people think, well, if I sell the business, I'm not going to get any of that benefit. That's not really true. Um, you certainly can get a lot of that benefit. It just has to do with how you structure a deal. Well, let's talk about that then. So so what are alternative structures? Let's say that there is an increasing EBITDA in the future, uh, that we have confidence forecast. Uh, what, what's, a, what's an interesting deal structure look like? Well, you know, we've seen all kinds of different deal structures that uh, have you participate in that EBITDA um, or participate in a normalized uh, EBITDA based on a revenue uh, target. Or I mean, there's lots of ways to de-risk that. But a lot of times, uh, you know, it may have to do with a stock position that you take in the buyer, um, call it, a, you know, equity financing. Uh, certainly will allow you to uh, take advantage of, um, you know, the enhanced value. Um, we, we often caution sellers uh, in doing that in private companies because partnerships are hard um, and you'd have to really get to know them and determine that that would be a good fit before you would want to do it. Um, you know, if it's public stock, that's a little different uh, because you have a ready market for that stock. You can sell enough stock to, uh, you know, buy a car or remodel your kitchen without having to sell your whole position. Um, certainly that is a, a consideration. Um, but I think, uh, you know, what we'll call an earnout or a gain share or uh, what we'll call a performance index payout 
are all um, are all opportunities for people to participate in a fast growing company and enhance their value. Those are good for both the buyer and the seller oftentimes because the buyer doesn't necessarily want to take the risk of paying upfront for future accelerating uh, profits and revenue that haven't historically been there. So they're like, look, you know, if you just turn the corner, you got a hockey stick growth now, suddenly we don't want to take a flyer on that. At the same time, as the business owner, you may be very confident that those deals are done because they're under contract, you're going to expect them to happen. You're, you're in a real good position then to strike a, a pretty good compromise where you're going to be able to participate in that upside uh, through one of these types of structuring models. Um, and the seller is going to be able, or the buyer is going to be able to hedge a little bit uh, to make sure that you actually achieve the numbers. Sure, sure. When we go through our valuation and we talk to a client and a number comes up and, and it's lower than they expected. Yeah. What are the th what does a company need to do uh, to to look at that and uh, to to get really the ship righted and understand you know how, what do they need to do to get ready for a sale? Yeah, you know it's a good it's an interesting question. I mean, generally, you know, we we um, you know many people don't know that is you know obviously we're very active in the M and A side of the industry and IT services and um but you know we're also as active in advising companies on uh growth strategy and that growth strategy you know moves our clients to top quartile um uh revenue growth and profit realization amongst their peers so it moves them to really best in class um we think moving yourself to a best in class type company one that is growing sort of amongst the top 25% of your peers and one that's realizing profit amongst that um, area as well, top 25% of your peers, uh, will help you command a premium. Um, not only will it, will it do that, but it'll also, for the crowd that's looking at simply applying an EBITDA multiple, there's more EBITDA to, to provide the multiple. Um, so, you know, generally we tell clients, if you're disappointed with the valuation, um, your, your best solution to solve that is to enhance your profitability, right? Um, particularly if you can move it into that sort of north of 15% EBITDA range, you'll be a very attractive target that'll command a nice valuation. And so taking the time to, you know, work on your strategy, tune your wrenches, tune the system, turn the wrenches, if you will, to optimize both growth and profit. Uh, will net a much higher valuation. Yeah, and I think that's uh, we have seen people go through the entire life cycle. Uh, you know, really starting as a strategy client or a buy side client, running the business and tuning it up, and then eventually turning it into a sell side client. We've had a few examples of that. Yeah, absolutely, we have. I mean, we've worked with many clients over the years that have come to us first to look at you know preparing or looking at a transaction or maybe some of them have even been losing money and said hey we got to do something because we don't have a sustainable business where we're losing money I oftentimes tongue-in-cheek say that you know profitability is the right to continued employment if you're an entrepreneur um, and you really do need to take it very seriously you're not going to get value by running a fast growth company that doesn't make money that it all the value equations in our industry are built around profitability and cash flow. And so focusing on that, you should have a very high 
um, it should it should be very high on your list as to determine the success of your business is how profitable is it, right? Uh, once in a while, we hear people say, "Wow, we don't really want to pay taxes, so we take a tax avoidance strategy." We just don't think that really works if you're looking to enhance the value creation in the business. And and let's face it, you know, for most entrepreneurs, their business is their single largest asset. Their ability to be able to optimize the value of that asset um, by enhancing profitability and growth, you know, should be a P1 priority. We have many examples where we've done our SVP project, which is our strategy optimization project. And we've come in to um, help the company optimize and then they operate for a number of years. They enhance and they realize an accelerated growth and sort of profit uh, equation. And then they move into um, uh, move into a situation where now they're in a position to sell and command a premium. We are very transparent about um, talking to uh, our clients when we do their readiness review. Uh, and determine whether or not, you know, now's the time to sell or not. Uh, a lot of that sort of takes care of itself when the valuation gets done, however, because if the valuation is somewhat disappointing to someone who's looking to do a deal, then it, it probably all roads lead to optimization before sale. Sure, sure. And some of this, I think, is, is highly industry dependent as well. So what we're seeing, for example, in the cybersecurity space is a, much different than we might see in a call center space or an MSB, where traditionally more measured approach to, um, to valuations compared to stratospheric. And I guess that does look at this. Uh, in, in a hot market in, like cybersecurity, is it wise for a company to go to market now um, and take advantage of some of the premiums that they're seeing? Uh, is that a, and perhaps I, I think if what we're seeing is it's an opportunity to de-risk for the seller but, and a, an opportunity to really grow for the buyer who alternatively may be uh, selling that asset as a, as a combined entity later in the future. Any thoughts on kind of the market, how the market plays in, in a seller's attitude? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, market timing is difficult and it's hard to time a, a, a transaction perfectly to optimize your return or your value. Uh, certainly, we see certain areas of the business that are somewhat uh, buoyed right now. Certainly, cybersecurity uh, is one of them. Uh, we see others that are implementers um, that are built around, you know, hot cloud products, call service now or or you know potentially uh, Salesforce or other areas of you know cloud-based uh, meaningful infrastructure components. Uh, those implementers uh, tend to command a premium, and so you do have to think a little bit about um, you know market timing vis-a-vis sort of how you built your business. And you know if you're a if you're a cybersecurity firm today, um, that's going to command a big premium. Will it continue to command a big premium? No one can tell. None of us can predict the future. But I think certainly as of right now, uh, it is a good time to you know, probably take some chips off the table, whether you sell the business in its entirety or you sell part of it or, or you partner with uh, private equity to you know, scale it further and sell it. Um, there's certainly plenty of, uh, plenty of opportunities. Great. Makes sense. All right. Sounds great, Ryan. I appreciate it. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning into uh, this week's uh, podcast. We will uh, 
thus tie a ribbon on it, I would encourage you all to uh, take a look at our website, uh, revenuerocket.com, and our and our YouTube channel as well at Revenue Rocket on YouTube uh, for other uh, other tips and tricks and thoughts about the market as you grow your uh, respective IT services businesses and or contemplate transactions. Thanks a lot. And have a great day.